Well, hello there, Filled With Messages friends. Thanks for joining me today. I'm Ruth Farrell, and amongst other things, I'm the lead pastor of St. Peter United Church of Christ in Lake Zurich, Illinois. Recently, we celebrated the anniversary of the National Women's Suffrage Association here in the United States. Elizabeth Caddy Stanton and Susan B. Anthony formed the alliance in 1869. At that time, the 15th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution was being considered, which would give African-American men the right to vote. Stanton and Anthony argued passionately that women also needed to be given the right to vote through this amendment. While raising a family, Stanton did extensive research and wrote speeches championing the rights of women. Anthony, who never married, delivered Stanton's speeches around the country. Together, they made an incredible team. They were certainly not perfect. For instance, they put forth racist arguments to further their cause, but they also affected incredible change for our country. Stanton and Anthony, along with many, many other women, and even some men, asked the United States to think in a new way. They encouraged us to live up to one of our purported values, freedom and justice for all. But trying to get people to do something new is hard especially when a belief is long held and ingrained in a culture, convincing people it's time to change can be very painful. It often requires the champions of change to withstand personal attacks and persecution. It can take years of blood, sweat, and tears. In today's scripture text, we hear the story of a time God spoke into Peter's life. God asked Peter to step out of an old way of doing things, an old mindset, so that God's grace and love could reach more people. It took some convincing, but Peter, through God's words and the courage of a person named Cornelius, decided to move forward in this new way. Peter's decision incensed the old guard at his home church. They thought Peter was sinning and in no uncertain terms told him so. But Peter insisted that it was God asking him, asking all of them to change, to extend God's welcome to everyone no matter who they are or where they are on their life's journey. Hear these words from Acts chapter 11, verses 1 through 18. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Starting from the very beginning, Peter told them the whole story. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being led down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds. Then I heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, Surely not I, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered into my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then it was all pulled up to heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. 
He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, open our hearts, our minds, our bodies to hear you speaking to us words of life, of freedom, of abundance. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your eyes, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Peter, as many of us may remember, was one of Jesus's closest friends and disciples. After Jesus ascended, which is the fancy church word for return to heaven, Peter left Jerusalem and began traveling around, encouraging Christians who lived in places other than Jerusalem. One day, Peter and his traveling companions were near Joppa, which is modern-day Tel Aviv. Peter went up onto a rooftop to pray while he was waiting for a meal to be prepared. While there, he had a vision. Heaven opened up, and a large linen sheet was lowered to the earth. On the sheet were all kinds of four-legged animals, reptiles, and wild birds. Peter heard a voice say, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Now, if you haven't been hearing this story since you were knee-high to a grasshopper, it would seem a bit crazy, strange, violent, confusing. To be fair, even Peter found the situation bizarre. So bizarre that three times he said to the voice speaking to him, absolutely not. It's not likely the vision itself that bothered Peter. While most of us have not had a vision and are likely pretty freaked out by the idea, in biblical times, people understood that God sometimes shared very important messages through extraordinary experiences. Also, while Peter was hanging out with Jesus, he had some pretty trippy experiences that likely normalized the otherworldly ways in which God sometimes acts. Having a vision probably wasn't all that surprising to Peter. But what was a total shock was the whole business about killing these particular types of animals and eating them. To be clear, God was not telling Peter to go sport hunting. God seemed to be inviting Peter to begin eating all types of food, even those that had been deemed, quote unquote, unclean and therefore off limits by the Jewish law. Peter, a good Jewish boy, was horrified by the idea. He would not eat unclean food. His mama had taught him better than that. In a moment, hearkening back to his betrayal of Jesus before the rooster crowed, three times Peter said, Surely not I. I will not eat unclean food. A voice from heaven reprimanded Peter, Never consider unclean what God has made pure. Then, in a flash, the vision was over. Peter sat in stunned silence, puzzled by the meaning of it all. Little did he know that in the house below him, three messengers had just arrived from an important man named Cornelius. They asked to speak to Peter, but he was too busy brooding on the roof. The Holy Spirit interrupted him and said, Pay attention! Three people are looking for you. Go downstairs. Don't ask questions. Just go with them, because I have sent them. I think Peter rolled his eyes and sighed before marching down the stairs. 
Or did he hop to it, excited to see what the Holy Spirit had for him to experience next? Or did he creep down the stairs trying to see what these people look like before introducing himself? Cornelius was a Roman centurion, essentially an officer in Caesar's army. He was an important man who commanded respect. We're also told he was faithful, worshipped God, gave generously to those in need, and prayed constantly. He was genuinely respected by the Jewish people of his town, but he himself was not Jewish. Cornelius' messengers shared with Peter that Cornelius had also had a vision from God. In it, Cornelius had been asked to summon Peter to his house. Peter invited the messengers to spend the night, and the next day they left for Caesarea, where Cornelius lived. Sometime between Peter's rooftop experience and his arrival at Cornelius' home, the Holy Spirit helped Peter piece together the meaning of his vision. When he arrived at Cornelius' place and found a large group of people gathered there, he explained, You all realize that it's forbidden for a Jew to associate or visit with outsiders. However, God has shown me that I should never call a person impure or unclean. Cornelius then shared his experience as an affirmation of Peter's words and God's invitation to a new way of thinking and being. Then Peter continued, I really am learning that God doesn't show partiality to one group of people over another. Rather, in every nation, whoever worships God and does what is right is acceptable to God. Peter continued to preach. The Holy Spirit rested upon everyone present, and many were baptized that day. What a high Peter must have been on as he returned home to Jerusalem. He must have been so excited to share what he was learning with his church family. He must have been electrified to tell his siblings in Christ that God's love and peace and joy weren't just for Jewish people, but for everyone. Perhaps he even wanted to share recipes for new dishes he had tried while staying with Cornelius. Upon arriving home, Peter found his church family exercising jumping to conclusions, flying off the handle, carrying things too far. They had heard what happened in Caesarea and accused him of sinning. You went into the home of the uncircumcised and ate with them. Sounds like a pretty weird insult to us. But in Peter's community, entering the home of a non-Jewish person and eating with them was absolutely unacceptable. If you had been Peter, how would you have responded? Curse them and left? gossiped with your entourage about how narrow-minded they were being, came to their demands and apologized, even if you didn't mean it, but to avoid conflict. Peter chose to explain what happened step by step. He had no guarantees they would listen or that his explanation would change their hearts and minds. But he also believed passionately in what he was learning. He was convicted that God's love was for everyone, and he wanted his siblings in Christ to come to the same place of faith. So he patiently shared his story with them. And at the end of Peter's narrative, the Church of Jerusalem calmed down. They even praised God and concluded, So then God has enabled Gentiles to change their hearts and lives so they may live have a new life. Unfortunately, the church folks' conclusion was short-lived. Their hearts and minds weren't really changed towards non-Jewish believers in Jesus. This issue would rear its ugly head again in the future. Some people would be treated like second-class citizens by the old guard of the church. The book of Revelation is a description of a vision had by John, 
another one of Jesus's closest friends and disciples. At one point during the vision, he saw a new heaven and a new earth. A A loud voice said to him, look, I am making all things new. This isn't the first time, although it is actually the last time in the pages of scripture in which God said, I am making all things new. It's actually one of God's frequent refrains. But we in the church don't tend to like new things. We struggle to embrace often even the smallest change. We might be able to give it lip service, just like the people in Jerusalem did, but actually accepting and living out change is not one of our strengths. But God is always doing a new thing, and God so very much wants us to join the new things God is doing. I love the way Peter talks about embracing the new thing God was doing at that moment in history. He says, I am really learning. Really learning requires openness, imagination, inquisitiveness. It also requires humility, in particular an assumption that we don't know everything. What new thing might God be asking us to really learn? What new things might God be doing that will require us to let go of longstanding beliefs or traditions? How might God be asking us to change so that more people can come to know that no matter who they are or where they are on their life's journey, they are welcomed and loved and blessed fully just as they are by God and by us. Thanks so much for joining me today, my friends. As you go from here, I would encourage you to try something new, change something up, because sometimes changing the little things up helps open our hearts and minds to those big things that God is doing in our world, those big changes that God wants to make here so that everyone can come to know more and more every day God's love and grace and mercy and peace and joy. As you go from here, may God bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. I'll talk to you soon, my friends. Goodbye.